Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. But not Katie, because Katie celebrated a birthday. Yeah, did you know that? Are you a good listener? Are you a good fan? Because she was out of town spending time with her mother on her birthday. And did you wish her happy birthday? Regardless, I have a guest today. Um, You know him as the premier Kevin Smith specialist aficionado on the podcast he's been on episodes discussing tusk jersey girl um he also did a southland tales episode with katie but today he's here as a filmmaker ladies and gentlemen welcome to prodigious prodigious is that a real word i don't know prodigious i don't know jake s weissman talking about his movie scrapers yes Jake, Scrapers, a comedy for romantic stoners. I'm pretty excited to talk about it with you. For a second time, because we fucked up the audio on the first one. (laughs) (laughs) This will be so natural, you won't even know. I got to tell you, uh, Brunchers, this is uh, also uh, the first time we're doing, um, what do I call it, Brunch After Dark. Oh, yeah. This is like Nick at Night of of podcasts, uh, except for this this is no rerun. This is... No Hef, no Snoop, just Jake and Luke. Late at night, talking about my movie. <laughs> but as I was saying, we're afforded a wonderful opportunity tonight because instead of me and Katie, you know, waxing intellectual about uh, poorly rated studio pictures, we get to sit down with a true blue filmmaker and uh, have a real life rap session. So, Jake. Yeah. Scrapers. Yeah. A comedy for romantic stoners. The debut film from Jake S. Weissman is a serene window into the world of two Chicagoans that find themselves at a crossroad in their lives. After a chance encounter, the pair find that they have more in common than an affinity for smoking grass. That's great. That's my review. I love it. It's not really a review. It's just like a, a line. That's better than mine. I really like it. What's yours on Amazon? After learning their neighbors, Chicago improv actors Mary and listless Hal form a unique friendship over lots of grass, ex-girlfriends, pretentious actors, being broke, misguided crushes, and lots of grass. That's the that's my plot summary. I have to be honest with you. Um, when I was writing my my quick, we used to do a thing on here called called Five Cents Reviews. So that's why that's why what's why I got the chops. Why I like so, it. That's why it's so good. It's hot. But honestly, I was only thinking about your description on Amazon. And so I like kept wanting to say grass, and then I'm like, no, I can't do that because I'm gonna ask him. <laughs> um, oh, are we calling it grass now? It's gra- it's grass now. I like calling it grass because it's like a slice of Americana. <laughs> so how uh, how does this movie come to be? This is your de- debut film, and it's no easy feat uh, tackling a feature. Um, so. How did you go about uh, making this movie? Why did the script happen? Like, what were what were the reasons for for making a movie about you know two a romantic comedy about two smokers in the city of Chicago? It's it's a very it's a very niche uh, niche plot for uh, a very huge genre because you're a rom it's do, you're doing a rom com yeah but it's also like a wildly specific and interesting spin on the rom com. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I. Fell in love with somebody about two months before I moved to Los Angeles. Uh, And so we had this long distance relationship in L.A. I lived there for like eight months. I did some school and did an internship, but then it all fell apart, which is fine. Uh, And then I moved back to Vermont. And uh, yeah, you know, 802. Uh, (laughs) uh, And... (laughs) um, 
so while I was I was there for uh, almost a year, a little less than a year before I moved back to Chicago, but the whole time I was talking to Sally, uh, and I wrote her a script because I missed her. So it was kind of this love letter that I I wrote her while I was in Vermont, and it was uh, not my first feature, but definitely the first feature that I that I wrote. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was no, like, I was like, this is your debut feature. No, Don't fuck with it. Is I there a hidden like? Is this like? Is this like? Do you have like the link oh, later? Cool. Everybody thinks fucking. Everybody like looks at uh, Slacker. Slacker as it's his debut, but is this your? You have a plow. You have no, a plow movie. Scraper's my plow. Okay. Uh, honestly, Scraper's my plow because I feel like clean sheets would be more of my slacker anyway. That makes sense. Uh, if we're gonna go for it, uh, no. I had written many scripts beforehand. I will clarify. Gotcha. This gotcha. is the first screenplay that I wrote. That I really... looked at you like you're a fucking alien when you it's said that. True. I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I was like, "Yes, I'm prolific. I've written many scripts." You're ruining the episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's move forward amicably. <laughs> uh, now you're being condescending. <laughs> Do you think people will, st- will stop listening if we just quote other shit? I think we could do because we did. We've done. We got workaholics and Four Deal Virgin so far on Comedy Bang Bang. There are episodes with Ben Schwartz and Scott Ackerman where they just sing the entire episode, and it started as a as like a segment. And every time they do it, it just gets longer and longer and longer. I feel like you and I could do the same thing with an episode where we could just quote from beginning to end an entire, uh, and they would get the point. Something fun to do in this situation where normally me and Katie are just talking obscurely about yeah. like um, – not obscurely, but you know what I'm saying? Like about people we don't know. None of our movies – they're always studio flicks. Right. Like we've never, we've never uh, reviewed an indie movie really, let alone a true like lowercase i independent movie. Yeah, super fringe. Uh, fringe like, of the fringe. Fringe of the fringe filmmaking. Uh, and not only that, but we get to we get to actually talk to the the person that crafted the flick. How do you get to be a filmmaker? Like, are you a kid and you're like, I want to make a movie one day, or were you just like a kid that enjoyed watching flicks but never really thought about like pursuing? Because for me, like lo- watching movies as a, as like a child, like I thought it was more logical that I would become a professional athlete than like being able to make something like a movie or like, you know what I mean? It seems so daunting and it seems like such an unattainable thing, like a super glamorous, expensive thing. Um, But indie film doesn't always like that. And I'm also like, just curious, like when you decided that was something you're going to do. It's kind of as long as I can remember. I think they're uh, as long as I can remember, I wanted to be an actor for a long time. I wanted to be a stand up comedian uh, but that was when I like first discovered Jim Carrey when I was seven years old. My sister took me to see Ace Ventura, and I was very young. Smoking. That's not Ace Ventura. <laughs> That's funny. That the next year we were introduced to The Mask. Somebody stop me. That's pretty good. You sound just like him, Cuban Pete, um, <laughs> the King of the Rumba Beat. <laughs> I love that movie a lot. I hate it. <laughs> oh, I don't really? Like it. Oh, it was my favorite like movie for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> like my absolute favorite movie for years. Uh, oh, my, there wasn't a better movie. movie. <laughs> there wasn't a better movie than The Mask for me. Jim Carrey was the top. So, uh, and you know, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I saw my sister in a play. She did Guys and Dolls, and I was like, oh shit, I love Guys and Dolls. Me too. And so I was like, well. I didn't, that introduced me to plays. So I got really into acting. And then as soon as I found out that people like made the movies, I figured out that I wanted to make the movie. And then it kind of grew from there because you realize like, Oh, you, if you want to create the stories, then you need to be the writer. 
and then you grow up a little bit and you know i was exposed to all sorts of indie flicks when i was like you know 12 13 years old and so what was uh started as disney and spielberg and all the natural stuff that you watch when you're a kid kind of grew into more uh, uh obscure well i think about taste, that i think so. about that too because like based on like I thought that I had an understanding of, like, I thought I had my own shit, and I'm like, oh, this is something that only I like, and this is my collection of films, and it was all, like, you know, indie and kind of, like, quote indie stuff from, like, you know, the early 90s to, like, the mid-2000s and stuff that, like, I thought I was discovering and stuff, but your sensibility in film is, like, so uh, vast and uh, dense and, like, really spans all genres and decades um you've shown me a lot of flicks that i am like you know i'm grateful like we talk about and we talked about it when we recorded this the first time (laughs) but like you know i i was trying to like force you to watch guy and madeline on a park bench like uh uh, damien chazelle's uh debut feature which wasn't hard to force me to watch it like i i happily watched no but i was like i felt like i felt like fucking magellan and shit I was like, oh my god, look what I figured out! Like on the on the look at the look at this look at this this trail I forged on the map of understanding cinema. I had never seen and, it before, though. Well, it's an, it's a delightful movie, and I yeah, love it. I but liked like, it a I lot. just like had like it was one of those lessons where I like quickly found out. I'm like, oh, I have a lot to learn still because like uh, I, I showed Jake that, and he's like, yeah, I, I see why you think I'd like that movie. I see, I get it. But what you need to do is watch John Cassavetes' Shadows, and I'm like, oh, cool. So this movie from 1959 is like the exact aesthetic and like so like oh, i'm into that actually <laughs> like not 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 that i don't love the movie because i do i love everything chazelle touches but after i watched shadows i watched it like five times like yeah. after you showed me the last detail i watched it for eight days straight <laughs> i'm not exaggerating whatsoever i just i just kept waking up it was like the winter and i was like depressed and i was like drinking pbr and like you showed me this movie and i and i was like this is this story and this film is everything storytelling has ever been meant to be. Well, you took me out to see Last Flag Flying. I did. And that was another one I where was like, I'm like, Linklater is God, Jake. Well, have you ever seen a Linklater film? It was the first thing we ever saw together where you were you were like, let's go to the movies and see this because you're the only other person who wants to watch this and it's going to be gone soon. And I didn't have a good excuse not to. And I don't. It was that point where it's like, all right, let's go hop in a car and go see this movie. And uh, by the end of the night, I, I'm like hiding my face because I'm sobbing during this movie. It's the saddest movie ever. And uh, it's kind of a similar story where I turn to you and I'm like, this is all well and good. <laughs> <laughs> and it is really well and good. It's a really good movie. I highly suggest everybody watch it if they're in for like a high military drama, kind of vet drama. Uh, but you want to watch a fun ass movie that's still devastating, but it's still it's a devastating. But, it is, but that's not in my the same move, way. Though. No, 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 no. You're right. It's like because it's life. It's like it's life so is funny, devastating, so but pure. life is is very funny most of the time. Life is light and funny most of the time, and then just has like crazy fucking blows every once in a while. Yeah, and so that's why I like to capture in my movies where I prefer light things um, and light fare movies that you can pop in over and over again but i also need to get something that i you know that gut thing that that feel thing were you were you uh drawing uh, a lot from from hal ashby and the way you made it you went about tackling uh your first feature absolutely all the way down to the, you, yeah. all the way down to the character being well, named hal i the first time we recorded absolutely yes he's <laughs> he uh I did name the character hal after hal ashby and also another guy named hal hartley 
who made a movie called No Such Thing and a movie called Trust, and uh, he's done a bunch of independent films um, in that same early 90s kind of oeuvre. <laughs> that oeuvre. Uh, a lot of stuff I, I learned working at the, the you know, art house uh, rental house in Burlington, Vermont. So shout out to Graham Gowan because he turned me on to a lot of stuff when I was a teenager that I otherwise would have never watched. Um, but yeah, there's a movie called I, the first time we recorded this, I totally forgot to mention the landlord, which is Hal Ashby's debut film. Really? And it is, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That, oh, that landlord. Um, <laughs> uh, I highly suggest watching it. It used to be on Netflix. It's not anymore. It's Bo Bridges, but it's this beautiful. Bo um, Bice, his <laughs> brother, is here today. Hal Ashby started as an editor and then became a filmmaker, and that was his first one. So it was right before uh, uh, Harold Amad. And it's very interesting movie Did, about gentrification and the way he shoots it is like very blown out whites and very dark darks. It's a very beautiful movie. Intergalactic civil war gentrification. <laughs> uh, it's nice of you to bring up Hal Ashby because he's definitely a big source of inspiration. And it was one of those things where uh, I really used him as a guidepost while we were shooting in production. I was, what would Hal Ashby do? And then while we were cutting, it was what would Cassavetes do? I was reading Cassavetes on Cassavetes, and he took 10 years to cut shadows and 10 years to cut faces and just took him forever to cut everything. And uh, I really, that, those were the, this is, I like to take, uh, you know, as far as inspiration goes, it's like, this is my Ashby Cassavetes thing. I love them. No, I very, very who else is on your Mount Rushmore of filmmakers that you, uh, that you adore? Oh man. Well, on the house, you might Ashby, have more than me. You're so vast. Like I said, I have a notebook. I've literally listed all this before. Uh, Patty Chayefsky, Charlie Kaufman, Cohen brothers, PT Anderson, uh, uh, Norman Ooh. Jewison. If you look at uh, the Hal Ashby stuff, he wouldn't have a career without Norman Jewison. And then if you watch Norman Jewison shit, Moonstruck, Fiddler on the Roof, Cincinnati Kid, I have them all right here. Those movies are these American classics that are beautiful and no one gives them fucking, no one talks. I mean, everyone talks about Moonstruck, but no one talks about Moonstruck. I don't know. They were for a while. Moonstruck's a great film. Let's talk about Moonstruck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, Moonstruck's a great film. Let's talk about my movie. No, <laughs> no, I, I love, there are more, obviously there are more filmmakers, but those are, uh, Lynn Ramsey. I love a lot. Gordon Ramsey. Uh, Gordon Ramsey. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I learned everything I know about management from Gordon Ramsey and Star Trek. Lynn manuel Ramsey. I enjoy his, uh, <laughs> I like that. You're welcome song. You ever seen Moana? I did. I like that. Lynn manuel Ramsey is like a, like Pharaoh. Like Ramesses. Gordon Ramesses. I want to talk about the depiction of uh, of smoking in, in your flick. Um, so, like, first of all, um, to the uninitiated, what does the title mean? Scrapers. Uh, it's about scraping bowls and scraping by. Scraping bowls and scraping by. <laughs> <laughs> The title means uh, if you've ever scraped a bowl, scraping a bowl is when you take uh, the an apparatus like a paperclip or something, and you take you get the tar out of the piece, 
and then you smoke the tar and it's greasy and it's gritty and it's really disgusting, but it gets the job done. Uh, and scraping is also, it's about poor people. It's about living it. I was poor for a long time and it's about just kind of like being a poor stoner trying to do live your dream. This, the, this movie is an hour 45 and the original cut of it was two hours and 19 minutes. This is like the tree of life. Oh my God. Yeah. We used to call it Dostoevsky's stoner comedy. And it's the thing is, is you'd think it would be cool and it's not, it's just fat. It's like looking at an overweight uh, me and thinking, you know, you could be real cut. Oh, you could be a sweet young one forty-five cutlet. One forty-five. You don't want to be a one one forty-five. Is that even healthy for a man? An hour forty. Thought <laughs> <laughs> we talking about weight. No, I mean, it, it, but if I were to say a one dimensional, 80, bro. I mean, I'm a three-hour film. I'm not Endgame here. No. I would love to. But we all know that Endgame is just Marvel's version of Robert Altman's Shortcuts. That's what I was saying that's my dad today on the phone. Oh, really? Does he know Shortcuts? No, I was being, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, points to your dad, oh, dude. Wow, dad knows flicks. He does. He's got well, good taste. Shout out to your dad because he loves the mask and you have bad taste. I did admit, that's like, is mask. this my dad episode? Yeah, dude. Dad, do the, you listen? Dad. The, dad. The, <laughs> My dad. Yeah, dad. <laughs> the, the, the keys, not the cheese. What is that? It's the mask. Oh, He'd dude, know. He'll love it. Yeah, yeah I it. hope so. I'll let him know to listen. All respected. Um, so I look at. So, but I, 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 going back to it, like, and like being a spin on the genre and stuff. I look at, I look at like the traditional. Uh, stoner comedy and you have stuff like pineapple express which is a spin it's you know it's an action movie with uh, stoners or you look at harold and kumar which is also kind of a kind of a spin on the flip but they're all like very adventurous and they're all very like ambitious in terms of like the grandeur and like the money put into it um and we then, had friends that used to call them stoner heists and then perfect that's a perfect that's a perfect term right uh but even looking at movies that are more down to earth like uh days of confused and the depiction of like weed in that movie and stuff they're smoking weed like like i think that's the most uh when i was thinking about today i think that's the most apt comparison because even for a studio release film well in terms of like the depiction of weed sure uh, specifically like not that uh, there's not other things of course but i mean like in in, (laughs) uh and not necessarily the effects of we'll get there um but uh like they are just like finishing joints to roll another joint like they're chain smoking pot in that movie and it's like the point of the movie um and that was huge for the time especially that being a flick release released by universal and stuff um but this movie is like that too where it's just like so fundamentally part of the of the movie and these characters and their everyday uh lives that um it's just a normal thing it's just a thing that happens it's not the movie so like for a movie that like uh like on the by the cover seems like it could easily fall into that flick when you when you open it up there's there's really a warm gooey center that is uh actually like what the movie is so like if you don't don't judge a a flick by its cover because you're actually going to get a very sweet and heartfelt uh movie about a friendship that evolves into something more yeah it's very pro weed and not about weed at all like almost like literally almost not at all they smoke pretty much the entire movie For it's sure. not about weed at all yeah it's. i know that how that sounds but that's like, i concur i really yeah, do that's you know you try and 
you want to grab somebody with you know it's a rom- you know a stoner comedy but i really like romantic comedies and i we really were inspired probably more by romantic comedies than by anything else How'd you go about choosing your filming locations? Uh, like, this is a very Chicago movie, like, truly a Chicago film, uh, in that it's highlighting, highlighting, uh, you know, Andersonville, Rogers Park, very, very prominently, but also, like, showing off places like The Annoyance, I noticed, mm-hmm. uh, you're in Lakeview a bit. Um, very, very affordable bar at The Annoyance. It's crazy. I went there once to drink on a, like, just, and it was crazy how, like, cheap it is. Susan Messing, uh, Chicago improv stalwart Susan Messing let us shoot there, and we were and shoot her there. That's so cool! I can't believe she was in it. Yeah, she kills it. She's, she's in that. My... She's in the one-off and where you shoot like at the annoyance and you shoot the stage and you see the audience and stuff like that. Yeah, she's at the scene in the office where she's just fucking killing it and shutting down that that I don't that yeah that, that creepy boy. She's in. She's my favorite character in Let's Go to Prison. That's so crazy. She's the stripper with the halo that asks for a fancy bear. It's like my favorite line in the whole movie, and we got her in scrapers. I couldn't be happier. That's all, Sally. Um, how do you how how do you decide um to shoot in Aville and Rogers Park? Is that out of necessity? Is that something that you did uh, because that's where you you were living, or is that something you did uh because you love the area, or both? Both. Uh, we lived in Rogers Park. I currently we both still live in Rogers Park, just not in the same apartment. But we shot in uh, like three different apartments in the building. Uh, all of our neighbors kind of made deals and set decked and made the whole, you know, Glenn's apartment and Hal and Mary's apartment. Um, and so, it, the you know, it's I love shooting Rogers Park. I want to shoot more of Rogers Park, and uh, it didn't make Not any sense. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, it it didn't make any sense to have it set anywhere else but i do remember it being a conversation it was gonna have to be rogers park or andersonville because probably for a while i wanted it to be lakeview because i love living there when i did but then the more i lived in rogers park the more it made sense to just shoot here how long have you lived in rogers park since 2011 the beginning of 2011 holy shit because i've lived in rogers park for like four years and i'm like fuck i love this neighborhood i love rogers park yeah but then like You've shot two whole features featuring this neighborhood prominently, and and I've I just never something I love so much about uh, scrapers and also the forthcoming clean sheets, uh, and I've told you this before, but this is a podcast, Jake. They don't know that. Yeah, okay. dude. Um, I've told you uh, that um, the fact that <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> uh, the fact that uh, I really love that I can find myself in your movies. I can see, like, you know, the locations you shoot at are streets I walk on. And, like, so I get to exist in that universe with those characters both times. Like, I could be walking by. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. very a part of the film in a way that I just can't be in Spider-Man Far From Home. Even though I love it, I can't find myself, like, in the landscape but of that film. But you can in The Dark Knight. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Because Chicago is Gotham. That's true, which I and I love, but you know, The Dark sure. Knight is showing off the Chicago everybody knows. Sure. And and Scrapers and the forthcoming clean sheets is showing off Rogers Park and the place that's, you know, just a fucking gem. You know what I mean? Like a, a diamond and I wouldn't say in the rough, just a diamond at the top of the city with a beautiful lake at our feet. It's the best. <laughs> it's wonderful and it's like it's, it's my favorite. It, the the northernmost neighborhood. We're still at the very tip. We get, we 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 get to I I just I I feel like it's the only place in the city 
um, especially neighborhood-wise, where I feel like I have neighbors. Like, I feel like I see the same people walking around the same streets, um, especially, like, working in the community as we do. Yeah, we work at a Um, landmark, so you see the same people all the time. It's crazy. And it's wonderful. When you're walking around, you start to know everybody. Totally. It's not like you don't going into living in the city. I'm from a small town. I just never thought it would be that way. And that's why Rogers park is so special. So it's great to see it in movies. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I've written so many things for Rogers park. I barely leave this neighborhood. I, you know, leave maybe once a week. So I, all I'm doing is walking to and from work. And all I want to do is shoot, uh, B roll of every, like inch of this neighborhood so I can write all sorts of any kind of story just so I can get that B-roll and I want to watch the uh, neighborhood evolve and be more of a member of the community. It would be great to be, a, you know, the guy who shoots Rogers Park. Oh, I, that's the I'm Rogers no, Park filmmaker. I'm no Kyle Henry. <laughs> Is that, I don't even know that. <laughs> He's the guy who directed Rogers Park. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it. I haven't either, but I'm, that's on Prime. Is it really? Yeah, represent. Okay, watch Rogers Park, but also watch Scrapers, please. Sure. Yeah, watch please watch Scrapers. Please, Scrapers, please. Scrapers, please. Scrapers and hands, please. <laughs> Keep your eye out for clean sheets. It's uh, We're figuring that one out. But uh, if you get a chance to see me, I'll probably show it to you. So I've been I've been I've been blowing you the whole show and giving you all the credit, but I want it feels talk- great. I bet. Can I just tell you, yeah. having you over at my house and having you blow me yeah. in my own room. Yeah. It's a joy. I wish we could turn on the AC, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosies. It's really hot. I'm just here scraping by. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Ooh, that was a slow burn. I yeah, you it. like that? Yeah, it's called that a was, callback. You know comedy? No, it was a real hot one. Um, but the blowjob stops here because I want to talk about the players. Because something that the thing that makes this movie the whole package uh, while I adore the script, I love your direction, I love uh, the story, everything that's going on is awesome, um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fantastic performances shelled out by your leads, Dakota and Sally, as well as the other uh, people in the flick, the improvers, the the other uh, pseudo-relationships, stuff like that. Yeah. So I'd really like to highlight um, like them individually. Absolutely. So like, you know, look at, start with Dakota, Hal, for Hal Hashbiand. Hal Hartley. Hartley. I was taking notes. You're doing it. Wait till you watch No Such Thing. You all have no idea. (laughs) How'd you find Dakota, who is the most just like wonderful leading man I've watched in a film in recent memory, in both this and Clean Sheets? Like, that dude followed me back on Instagram and I got chills. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is a famous person. Dude, he is. If not now, he will be, because like he is unbelievably talented. How'd How'd you find him? Uh, he, I was doing a, a film series at the time at Chicago Filmmakers. I had a series where I would show a feature every Friday and try and do a run of it. So I'd do four weeks in a row. And uh, his was the most successful. He wrote and produced a web series called Kiss Like Big Dogs, which if you get a chance to watch it, you absolutely should. And he really wanted to show it as a feature. And it was 50 minutes long, so it was perfect for those shows because it's just the right amount of time to watch a movie and then party for a really long time afterwards. And our parties were the most fun. And uh, he's super, super talented. And he sent, it was a cold email to Chicago filmmakers being like, I heard about your, your series, will you do this? And I got nervous because it was kind of a romantic stoner comedy. 
Uh, and then after like the second episode, I was like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. And also this dude's a superstar. And um, there's never any question. Anyone who sees Dakota, anyone who has had the pr- pleasure of watching him act or just know him in life. He's an app. He's I've been saying it for years. He's going to be Will Smith like he's a superstar. And uh, I just visited him in L.A. where he did a one man show or it was there was other people there, but it was pretty much a one man show. He should have a movie called Love Shot on Netflix very soon where he's the lead of that. Uh, he slays in clean sheets and um, he's just uh, he's a real pleasure. We the character of Hal was, a, you know, it was, it's a me proxy. So it's a it's about me and Sally, you know. And so for a while, it was a question of, am I going to direct it? Am I going to shoot it? Am I going to act in it? What am I, what's the role here? And once I gave into the idea of uh, another actor being Hal, so I could shoot and direct the film, he was the only name that came up. And I, uh, I took Sally to see, she didn't watch the short <clears throat> and didn't come to the show, but I took her to see a one act that he did and she was uh, blown away uh, <laughs> by uh, his performance. And then we spent the entire, you know, there were two one acts and the entire second one, we were in the uh, parking lot just kind of dicking around. And we promised each other we would not offer him the role. And in 15 minutes, we offered him the role. <laughs> and we did it silently, too. Like, we nodded at each other. Like, yeah, this is fine. And he immediately took the role. And I'm very proud to say that Scrapers is his first feature because he's about to be everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, you're going to – you're gonna. he's just he's just such a such a star. He's a fucking joy. And speaking of stars and Sally, I mean, her, her the performance she turns in in both this and Clean Sheets, but we're talking about Scrapers, um, well, is, yeah. is so – is so uh, – so wonderful. And, you know, the character uh, – like, the character she's portraying um, – you know this this smoker who's uh, trying to live her dreams and make it as a as an improv actress in you know the quote unquote funniest city in the world. I mean that's also very Chicago of you. I love it. Yeah. Um. But I mean it. She she brings something to the table that is so uh specific. I feel like I am downplaying how much Sally did on this movie. She and I made this movie together. I can't make that clear enough to everybody listening. Like she and I produced it. She did all of the costumes. She's phenomenal. I wrote it for her. She starred in it. She, we created this studio together. Um, it's not, I am half of this. Like Sally is Absolutely. the other half. Oh, of and, this. and, 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 and she, it's, it's clear. Like, yeah. I, like it's there in the fabric of the flick. And I, I just I want everyone listening that I, I am not even trying to pretend like that's not the case. So uh, she's uh, absolutely a joy, and she killed it. Super Midwest, super Minnesota, just knew what she wanted to do with the character, and we absolutely made sure that she was um, unique and not really just a character that was pure Sally rather than, you know, trying to find some archetype. Uh, any good rom-com uh, has wonderful what-if side relationships. I want to talk about the respective uh, actors that are vying for the affection of the main characters. They're so good, aren't They're they? They're so good and like so sweet and so underrated. Like not both, not both of them are so sweet. <laughs> One of them's kind of not so sweet. He gets well, a little creep town at the end. Oh, totally. But no in spoilers. Real, in real life, they're super sweet. Oh yeah, and the, and it, that's why the characters work so well. Yeah, because because I 
I trust that character. Yeah. I remember I watched this movie with Grant one time, and Grant's like, this guy's not right from the first scene. There are people who say that to me. Grant said it from the first scene, and I was like, what the are you talking first about? look, they're like not feeling it. But then I have friends who are like, oh, poor Glenn. And I'm like, that speaks a lot about you. Well, I didn't – fuck, man. I didn't say poor Glenn. <laughs> I just said I didn't think you would be as weird as he was. <laughs> no. Come on. I lo- uh, hey. Hey. <laughs> it's me. So the so the so the side relationships. Uh, what are, right. what are the, what are the actors? Um, Matt Gossin and Kanita Hillary. Yeah, and they just uh, crush. Yeah, and I'm can, sorry, I just want to highlight everybody. Kanita, they're all so good. Sure, Kanita plays Ava, who is Hal's ex girlfriend, and uh, Matt plays Glenn Funt, who is uh, this kind of new improv friend of Mary's, and. Um, I cast two of the sweetest people that I knew because they're kind of the bad guys, but it's not that kind of For sure. movie. They they play a vital role in the uh, in the relationship of Hal and Mary because you know they are very specific. They're not archetypes, but they're very specific people that exist in people like Hal and Mary's life. Like they're stoners, and like you know you have you have uh, the girl Hal might get back together with, who's like I hate pot. Like, I, you know, when you smoke, you're like a zombie and like, you know, I don't want to smell like this. And, you know, like that's a real thing. Right. Like there's a stigma, like even though it's like, I mean, it's still not even technically legal in Illinois, but there's still a stigma um, surrounding surrounding. And I mean, maybe that'll be gone in 50 years, 20 years, five years. I don't know. But and so like that exists. And then you also have like the other lesson uh, that is learned by Sally, uh, Sally's character, where you have dude who's like, you know just because a guy is being really nice doesn't always mean there's not a catch. Right. And that was also like uh, like a representative of very real things that are happening still constantly today. Um, so. Yeah. And we wanted in, in our own way to have um, those two characters, Ava and Glenn be sympathetic in their own way, which is part of the casting that we did. And also Hal and Mary are, um, selfish in their own way. And I, it was really important to us to have that kind of gray area where, you know, the people that we don't like can be right. In, you know what I mean? Like, but also fuck them. Yeah. And finally, <laughs> I want to talk about the improv uh, troupe in this movie. Cause the they're, mechanicals. They're A plus. Dude, they are top choice grade A meat. I love it. Yeah, shut your mouth. <laughs> shut, um, shut your mouth. We know the words. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in Midsummer Night's Dream when I was in high Mid-summer. school. I played the, <laughs> I played the the wall, and yeah, part of that, you know, there's this whole main story of Midsummer about fairies and you know tricking and this whole. Well, like tricking each other. Tricking on the street. No, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's a very, we did a yeah, very. Yeah, man, I watched it. My fiance was in it last we summer. We did a very slapsticky version of it. Missouri Shakes Festival. Well, but then you, well, shout out. So then you know <laughs> from watching Taylor play. Yeah, Lysander, I saw it, man. Hermia or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, so while there's this main plot line going on. There's this side plot line with these characters called the Mechanicals, and they're just a theater troupe of doofuses. And the uh, the play kind of concludes with this very farcical, goofy ass play within a play. 
and that always stuck with me and that's what this kind of is they're my mechanicals they uh, are goofy ass dudes uh, that are terrible terrible improvisers in the movie but played by some of the greatest improvisers in Chicago uh, Mars Tims, Micah Philbrook uh, uh, Tristan Tom and Nathan Cotter and they are all absolutely wonderful and uh it was hilarious watching them do bad improv because they all felt like dog shit afterwards well it's funny because like i i wonder i i always wonder when i watch it i'm like what must it be like to have these really funny people have to pretend to not be funny and somehow it still ends up fucking hilarious because that final improv like like show that's supposed to be like the worst improv show ever is like it's taboo in its subject matter, but it's <laughs> funny as hell as a viewer. Well, depending, I guess, on your sense of humor. <laughs> um, but I think it's like I think those guys just crush. Like they're yeah. all so funny, and I, Mars is like also in clean sheets and so unbelievable. I all talking about celebrities. Like I've yeah. like I've watched Scrapers and Clean Sheets, and uh, when when we did a little sneak preview of Clean Sheets the other day, Mars was there, and he was just like dressed to the nines, and Grant goes, Luke, that's Kalu Kalei. Oh, that's and I was awesome. like, "Oh my god!" And Grant's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking talk to him." And I was like, "I'm not." I was like, too scared to. That's a great story. I swear to God. When he showed up, he was the last one to show up for that screening, and my mom was talking about him the entire visit. And so I saw him, and I immediately I made a beeline for him, and I was like, "Dude, can I introduce you to my mother?" And he was like, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah, dude. Is that okay?" He's like, "Absolutely." And so I uh, introduced them, and my mom, you would have thought she met, like, Whoa, fucking Mars be. Timms. It was fucking Whoa. awesome. Whoa, must be Burt Reynolds or something. Yeah, totally. It was, like, it was a really big, it was a big one. She's, like, add him to the list of cast members in this movie that, like, can and should be stars. He's an absolute joy. He's so a, good. He is a star. He's a stand-up. Uh, definitely check out Mars Timms, and um, I want to cast him in everything I do. I think he's a joy. I mean, there's a bunch. You know, of, so many talented people, bro. That Mars was all Sally. It's like it was a real the yeah. production value that goes in this movie. It's like you're so blessed to have like a beautiful place to shoot, wonderful people to film, to say your words, and then like the other stuff you had to do the screenplay and stuff. But like, you know, just really savvy. It's a very interesting thing. My favorite, probably my favorite moment shooting and i try and do this every shoot now uh was when we were shooting um sally and matt doing uh i I forgot their names dude big booty (laughs) mary and uh, big booty number one mary and glenn's big final scene and they were doing this killer job they're acting and i was shooting the wide shot and uh dakota was off to the side i believe doing the sound was Dakota there? Dakota, your lead actor, was doing the sound? I can't remember if Dakota was there or not. Demetra was probably doing the sound. Is that something that happened, though? Dakota did sound some days? Demetra mostly did the sound. I think it was one of those, like, whoever grabbed the bolt, boom I'm thing. just saying, that's crazy, dude. I don't know. Like, this is, like... Yeah, sure. Like, that's I mean, so awesome. did all like, sorts of stuff like that. And, like, that's filmmaking, dude. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but that's so during this wide shot, they're acting their hearts out. And I just kind of pulled back and stopped. Sorry. I pulled back from the mic. I pulled back. I kind of pulled back and stopped. (laughs) No, I pulled back from the camera and stopped looking through the uh, lens and just watched the scene 
and thought about how silly it was that these two grown ass adults were wearing costumes and saying my words. And I thought it was hysterical and strange and made me feel like a little kid. And so I try and do it because it just is one of those uh, reminds me like this is so silly and we're so lucky to get to do it. And that's why we do this for free in our spare time or pay people to do it. And, you know, that's why we're indie filmmakers because of the pure joy of it. Thanks for saying we, man. Well, you are. That hits the spot. Well, Jake's also shot both of me and Marissa Lesman's short films. Uh, He wrote and shot Captain's Chair, and he also uh, directed – no, I directed with Marissa. No, I didn't direct it. I shot it. No, I did that. But you shot and cut both those things, and uh, it's a joy to be able to work with somebody who's just so good. You know what I mean? I think that you're really crushing it, and I think that – I think that this bitch is going to be famous. (laughs) <laughs> well definitely check out scrapers everyone should check out brark when they can yeah but let me no well because <laughs> i actually want to say break no, go ahead. Say it. <laughs> uh everyone i would like for them to check out scrapers on prime i can't wait for everyone to see break uh luke taylor's break a bbf production i'm very very excited i got to see a cut of it i can't wait to see more cuts of it there's some phenomenal acting by miss taylor mr arif and the fam uh i i love your movie i i was thinking the other day that like once people get to see it and stuff it'd be such a good double feature with this or uh clean sheets because oh, they're definitely. they're like kind of like they, I think they would just would play nice together. I think uh, scrapers especially. Well, I already call break a, uh, a drama for romantic stoners. <laughs> uh, I definitely call it that. So I think scrapers and break should be this epic long uh, double feature. And then I'm writing a black and white romantic comedy for you and Taylor right now that oh, I'm 50 God. pages into that. I am putting, I am putting on record. So I finish. <laughs> it's going to be very colorful. It is fucking adorable. Like and adorable. there it's, I can't wait for you to read it. I'm just champing at the bit. So I'm not sending you my pages. You're because, being chain chomp right now. Dude, I'm going to give this shit to you and Taylor. <laughs> You're too kind. This episode is about you, not me. Oh, and also, up. just because you're on Bad Movie Brunch, I want you to know that that doesn't mean I think your movie's bad. Because <laughs> oh, sure. most of the movies I talk about on this on this show, and people know that, that have listened to our shit, I don't feel that way. Me and Katie usually talk about things we love. Um, but this no, is... Sorry, no. I think it's totally apt uh, because... My film so far on Prime has either five-star reviews or one-star reviews, and I'm not sure who gave me the one-star reviews. I know who gave me the five stars. So please, if you do watch this movie, I don't care what star you give me. Give me one star. I feel like I might be a five- or one-star kind of filmmaker, you know? That's not uh, a bad thing. No, swing, it's fine. for the fences. Uh, You're Sammy Sosa. I right? was really upset about it until I saw that Inherent Vice had a three. And I love Inherent Vice. Dude, you're so, Jake uh, Inherent S. Weissman. I will take it. I love That movie was a big deal when I was cutting scrapers. I remember watching the trailer you. in college, and I was like, ooh, that looks like my kind of movie, and I never watched it. It's. I don't think that it might not be your kind of it movie. cool, though. It, I'll lend it to you. I own it. Well, chill out. Dude, I <laughs> just watch watch my movies. <laughs> you gave me so I'm such an asshole about that. I'm really sorry. I'm gonna watch all the things you gave me. No, I don't. I've given you hours. I just t- I just told everybody how every movie you show me is fundamental and life changing to me. So just like let me get there. But part of it that yeah, I mean part of that is being you need to wait for it to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I know it. 
I waited so long to watch Harold and Maude. Because if I had watched Harold and Maude when they told me to watch it, I wouldn't have meant shit. I've been Luke Taylor. I'm J.K.S. Weissman. Have a good one, folks.